Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, good morning. How's everybody? Good. Um, all right. So, uh, I, I've been here, what, for 30 years or so in this church. And, um, and it's been about a year since I've been, um, uh, been in that office of pastor. So, and there's a lot of new people here and a lot of people who have never heard um, my story. Matter of fact, almost nobody has heard the whole story. Um, so, and uh, because it doesn't start with us, right? Our story doesn't start with us. It starts with our parents or, you know, however things worked out over the course of time, which affected us. You know, it gave us our worldview. It gave us our perspective on things. And uh, so... Um, you know, I just thought that it would be, it would be good um, to kind of introduce myself. You know, um, who who I was, um, what made me that way, and who I am now. Um, so now I find that uh, there I find some difficulty. I I find it easy to talk about me, um, but I don't find it easy to talk about the other people who influenced my life, um, namely my mom. You know, we weren't close growing up. And uh, um, as we got older, when I got saved, um, you know, I worked hard to try and try and build a better relationship to a point, you know, maybe I could have done more, but she had moved down to Kentucky and, and was down there with a, a husband. And so we, we talked often enough, but... Um, you know, it was always the same conversation, you know, trying to encourage her with, with hope, with the Lord, um, and, and uh, how he could change her situation. Um, so I kind of want to go back and kind of touch on some of those things that, that affected her. And so I want to start, though, um, first, because the, the title of this message is Sowing, Watering, and God's increase. Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8, it says, What then is Apollos? <clears throat> what then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. You know, so all through my life, and I'm sure if you look back on your lives, you can see where the Lord maybe had been planting some seeds, where people had spoken into a situation, or maybe you heard a church, uh, you know, you never went to church, but you, you heard a message, and it, and it did something. You know, God's word does not go out void. It always accomplishes what, he said, said, what it's set out to do. You know, and his word changes us. It transforms us, you know. And uh, so, um, so I kind of want to go back again to and, and do a little, uh, give you a little history of, because some of you have heard my kind of brief testimony. I, I've given it um, probably three, four times in the past 30 years. And you know, Lisa is probably like, oh, I can't stay here. You know, <laughs> I've heard this so many times. Um, but, uh, um, but a little five-minute, usually, synopsis of, of the 
how the, the Lord, when like things really started to change. But there were a lot of little times where there were seeds planted throughout my life that started the process, I think. You know, so, but I want to start with, with, um, with my mom. Like I said, we didn't have a great relationship. Um, and she had a lot of baggage. She had a lot of issues. You know, she was the oldest daughter of five kids, two brothers, two sisters. She grew up right down in Berkshire Valley, right, uh, right across 15. She was right over there, um, a family home. Um, she had, uh, when she was young, I'm not sure of the ages and stuff, but when she was young, um, her father had molested her. She had that baggage. She had that pain, that hurt. Um, when she was young, again, I think it was maybe when she was a young teen, her mom, was, her mom died when she was 40. And uh, so she kind of was, they had a stepfather at the time, but he wasn't a great dad. You know, he wasn't really there for the kids. He kind of worked and provided, but that was about it. So she kind of had to take the mantle of being the parent. And she had all of this stuff going on. And that, I want to preface this, too, with I never want to present something like this as like a I'm worse than you or I'm better than you. It's not a competition. It's all about what the Lord can do in lives that are hopeless. And there are so many people who are around us who have no hope. They have nothing. There are people who go through things like this. We may never know. But we have the message of hope. We have it, right? If we belong to Christ, we have hope. We, we can give that to them. We can, that's what we can do. Um, so, so she had all of that. Uh, and I fa- find it um, interesting because uh, Steve played that song this morning, God is Our Refuge. Well, the whole band played the song, but, um, except for me. But uh, um, God is Our Refuge. And it was so awesome because I love how the Lord works. His spirit is alive. His spirit is moving. He's doing things. And we don't see it all the time. But it was so cool. As soon as I came first service, they played that song and I'm going, this is perfect. This is right on. You know, God is our refuge. And we know that. Other people don't know that. And we need to tell them. Right? So, so my, my mom had all that going on. Um, then about when she was 19, right? So this is when I come into the picture. So she's at a party, uh, one night kind of thing, and I'm conceived, you know, they're drinking, smoking dope or whatever. Yeah, that's why I'm a little off. But, uh, um, but you know, and, and I never knew my dad from that point on until way later on, you know, and, and she knew who he was, at least she thought she knew who he was. And, um, and but, so she had me now, which I want to say is, a, is, is pretty cool actually. You got somebody who's going through all that. She's in a time where, you know, what, 73 said was Roe v. Wade. New Jersey was an open state, I believe. And she could have easily just been like, yeah, I don't want this pregnancy. But she had me, which is a big deal. You know, that's a big deal. Um, Not because of me, but, you know. (laughs) 
Uh, it's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a big deal to me. I don't know. Better is one day in your house. Um, I'd be there all the time, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, but um, so at 19, and, and, and she didn't, uh, her, her family life wasn't great to begin with. The brothers, sisters, they didn't really like her. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't like her. It could be for, you know, um, just reasons I don't know. But they didn't get along. So she didn't have anybody to come alongside her and help support her. And the, the pains and the hurts, the things that she went through, especially the situation with her dad, it started a process in her that never changed. It started a process of being involved with men who were abusive over and over and over again. And you see that with, with ladies who have been in those situations and they just can't break that cycle. But we know who can, right? Um, and so all through, you know, as I, I you know, I'm, I was born as a little child, I was born um, in Dover, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, and uh, about 16 months later, um, she, uh, she was married, she ended up getting married to, I have a half-brother, Brandon, um, and 16 months later, he was born. So again, she kept him. The, the dad was uh, drunk and abusive and tried to get rid of the pregnancy by beating her up. Um, and uh, fortunately, she divorced him, and, and it was very short-lived. But it still didn't change the pattern of things. You know, so, but she had us. So we grew up in, in Dover. And uh, so, again, she, she chose some interesting lifestyle things, too. So, so my mom was part of a Tri-County Motorcycle Club. Um, so she was uh, in a motorcycle gang. My mom was a go-go dancer and a bartender. And so my early life was me hanging out at um, local bars while she's dancing and I'm playing video games, you know, old school video games, and uh, which kids wouldn't even know what to do with now. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, so that, was, that ended up being our life as little kids. And so about when I was about six years old, you know, she again was involved with a guy. She was involved for a while, but he was again was a drunk and uh, um, was abusive. So they came home one night. We had a babysitter was there, and we were my brother and I were in our beds, but there were no doors, so we could see everything. And uh, I, for the first time, witnessed my mom getting beat up, and so and that you know it messes up a kid a little bit, um, and so but from that point it started a whole process for us as kids. Um, so we, we were given up to the foster system. My brother and I, we had gone into the state shelter uh, first, and then we were placed in some homes. And so we had been in the shelter twice, three foster homes, I think. I think if it was one more time, they would have taken us completely out of, the, out of her care. And, uh, but they didn't. And I don't know if that's better or not, but, uh, but during this time, you know, I was young. I think I was about six. And I, I, looking back, I, um, I see certain things where I believe the Lord was planting seeds. You know, one of these foster homes, which 
I need to try and get in contact with if I could. I'd love to. The, um, their, their name was The Joys. That's such a cool name. Um, but they had, but they had uh, I remember sitting at the table having dinner. I remember the kids being there playing hide and seek. They had their own kids. Like it was a, a family. It was a structure. I remember this. I remember being like, this is so cool. And now looking back, I think they were Christians. And I think they were praying for us. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I just want to, I want to kind of touch on something that my wife and I were talking about the other day regarding prayer. So, um, like we can get, like there's a lot of stuff that happens when we pray, right? So a lot of stuff that happens to us, if you really think about what's going on when we pray, we're spending time with the Lord. The more time we spend with him, the more we become like him, the more our minds are transformed. You know, all those things, a lot of benefit for us, but we don't know what goes on outside of that, you know? So, um, so I, I wanted to just throw some things, uh, like five different points. I was going to do eight, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to throw so like five different points um, about prayer. And this is important for us to get a hold of because the seeds that are sown, we don't know how that's going to affect. Like the prayers that we pray, we don't know how that's going to affect the people we're praying for. We don't know what is going on in the spiritual world. So these are some, some things that I, that I pulled out of the scripture. Um, uh, Matthew 6, 5. Sorry, I jumped a little ahead, Dan, so I don't want to mess you up. But Matthew 6, 5. Uh, Jesus is telling us, he's prepping us to learn how to pray. Right? He says, don't be like the hypocrites. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So don't be like the hypocrites. The next thing that I, I pulled out was in Luke 18, 1 through 8, Jesus gives us this parable so that we don't give up praying. It's so cool. And it says exactly that. So you don't lose heart. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet this, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. There's a lot we could go into with this, but... We won't. Um, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Um, so don't lose heart in prayer. The third is don't be anxious, but in every situation pray. So in everything, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And four, if we ask according to his will, we have what we ask. It's a tough one sometimes. 1 John 5, 13 and 14. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Number five, having our minds transformed will tell us what his will is. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we have a few things there. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't give up. Don't be anxious, but pray in everything if we ask according to his will, and we know his will, how? By our mind being transformed. So it's just a few things. And I say that just because when I think about my mom, I think about a lot of the other people who are out there who have no hope. You know, people who we know. We don't know their stories, right? We don't know what they're going through. A lot of people aren't telling us these things. But we can direct them to the refuge. We can direct them to, um, to where they can find hope, where they can find peace, where they can find true joy. This is what the Lord offers, real life. The world doesn't offer this. There's a, um, a, a statement by somebody who I, I reference here and there. Um, who I really think is a great thinker. And uh, the statement is, um, being is suffering, tainted with uh, malevolence. Now, it sounds pretty harsh, but if you really think about what this world offers, that's all it has. This world is continual suffering. Man, if somebody came alongside my mom, and shared with her the hope and told her where to look, where to go for help, where to go as a refuge, where to just, just how to have that peace and that hope. Man, who knows, right? And I don't know what happened at the end of her life. She died, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. She was 61. Um, and, uh, and I don't know. You know, she heard it from me. But that whole life of misery, for what? You know? Um, so, anyway, so, um, so, uh, so I see that, that prayer as so important because we, we don't know what's going to happen. So, don't give up. Pray. You know, always pray. So, uh, so shortly after we had gone through the, um, this whole uh, uh, foster thing, you know, my, my mom was still doing her thing, working, doing all that stuff. And um, my brother's grandmother, who I never met, he never met, ended up getting involved in our life. And she lived in Morris Plains. It was really cool. She had nothing, though. Like, she lived on Social Security. And, but, man... 
what a wonderful lady. She would take us for weeks. And she, I remember, like, she tried to give us everything that we never got. So she would bring us to, she would bring us fishing. She would bring us, she didn't fish. Um, she'd bring us fishing. She would, uh, I remember her, like, the special things. Like, we would go to Dairy Queen to get Buster Bars. That was, like, the thing. I was like, yeah, Buster Bars. And, um, and then she would take us to the Morris Museum, and she would scrounge some change so she could, she could buy some little, like, tchotchke thing from there so that we could have something. You know, she was wonderful. And uh, I remember, and this is another seed, because I, I truly believe she loved the Lord. You know, she wasn't outspoken about it. But she was so selfless. She, like, gave everything. She was great. But uh, I remember she had brought us to a church. Now, I don't know if I'd ever been to a church prior to that. I'm not, I don't think so. But I remember it was a church, I was talking to Steve the other day, because he was talking about his, um, the church that they had in Rockaway. Because I, I, we were close to her. Rockaway's right down the road from Morris Plains. And I'm like, oh, maybe I saw Steve playing when I was a little kid. That would be so cool, because it was like this. You know, I remember people are dancing, and it's a great time. And I'm like a little kid going, this is all right, you know. Um, you know, so... Uh, so she was involved, but at the same time, when she didn't have us, my mom had us at a, at a, uh, a babysitter who, you know, my grandma was a good influence, the babysitter not so much. We had teen boys, and, you know, that's where kind of my, my whole, uh, I don't know, um, drug thing started to, to happen, you know, because they were all drinking and all partying, and so I was around that, you know, and so... So that uh, so, we would stay at the babysitter's house pretty much for the summers. My mom would come and visit us every two weeks or so. You know, at two thirty in the morning when she's done dancing, wake us up, say hi, leave. You know, so we didn't have a great again a great tight relationship. Um, and not to say, and I don't want to, to beat up on my mom. I think she tried, you know, but she had, again, no hope. She didn't know where to go. She didn't know what, what the answers were. And the more we get involved, the more, we, the more our lives get out of control, the less we know what to do. And so we just do the wrong things over and over again. And I think that's what she was doing, just making bad decisions and could never break the cycle. You know? so, um, so after that, we had moved from Dover to the family house in Berkshire Valley. So... I had started to go to Rockaway or Roxbury schools, and so fifth grade, I think I moved here, and or there, and uh, and things started to really nosedive. My mom was ended up getting every again every boyfriend she had brought nothing to the table but junk, and so she was working but never had any money. I don't know. Uh, she I know she went to the bar a lot, um, but. Uh, so we ended up having um, no heat, no hot water, no food, broken windows, broken stove, no insulation. Like, it was crazy. When you th I think about it, and I'm going, it was like a shack. We actually lived in a, in a shed, you know. It was a house, but it had nothing. I remember looking, like, I'll give you an example. We didn't have any wood, 
So, so I had an old sneaker and threw it in the wood stove to, let, to, to kind of heat things up a little bit. Sneakers burn a long time, <laughs> especially Converse with all that rubber on the bottom. That stuff burns a long time. It's probably, probably what caused the hole in the ozone layer. But, uh, but again, it's not, it's not about that. Like, I mean, people, it's about that there are people who are going through these kind of things or worse that we can impact. Can we have an impact on people who have no hope, who have no help, who are struggling? You know, if we get involved and we reach out, you know, can we do that? And so... Um, so soon after, you know, it was at, uh, I think sixth, sixth grade, yeah, sixth grade-ish, I, um, my mom ended up getting another boyfriend in, and uh, he, he was a cocaine dealer. And so at 12, I guess, about 12, 12 and a half, he had me packaging, weighing cocaine, and uh, so he could sell it, and cutting it. You know, I learned how to do all that stuff, which is a cool, useful tool. To, you know, <laughs> it's useful. Um, but uh, I, learned, I learned to measure things. Um, and, but, and so I'm like, well, why is everybody so big on this? So I tried it. You know, it was, I'm a kid. I'm going to try it, you know. Um, so I tried it. Right from that point, I was hooked. Um, it was the worst. Uh, and I'd done tons of other drugs. None of them controlled me like this. It was a total takeover of everything, every thought, every every desire, everything was about that. And I was young. I didn't have money. I couldn't buy it. I stole so much, so many drugs from him that he literally wanted to kill me. And he was looking for ways to do it so that he wouldn't get in trouble. He hid it in the woods. I found it. He put it in the trunk of his Cadillac. I broke in, ripped the seat out, and got it. Like, it was, I needed to have it. It was bad. I bad, bad. And so for about uh, two and a half years, I guess, maybe three years, I was going through that, you know, that time. <clears throat> and uh, I remember going to middle school and being up for three days, not eating, you know, trying to write my name, you know, take a test. I'm like, you can't even see right now, you know, it was terrible. Um, and I remember, though, during this time, Another, another thing the Lord, like, like I go back to what, what Joseph said, right? He was in prison, right? Or what his brothers sent him into, you know, sold him, you know? And it's like, well, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And so I remember sitting and being, being up for however many days and, and sitting in the dark, paranoid out of my mind, looking out the window, waiting to see the motorcycle lights coming down the road so I could hop into bed and I remember sitting there and my heart was beating so hard I remember saying to myself I'm gonna die and that freaked me out and it started a whole process because I was so afraid to die now I didn't know anything about God but I knew enough that if I died I wasn't good with him you know and so that bothered me and scared me a lot and that's okay <laughs> like the Lord used that fear, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, so soon after, you know, um, that uh, the whole thing uh, 
culminated with, with me trying to come down from the, the cocaine just so I could eat something. And I was trying to take some, my mom had some Percocet. So I was like, oh, if I could just get some of that. So I, the, the boyfriend goes in the bathroom. I sneak over to try and get it. He heard me, thought I was trying to steal his drugs again. And now he caught me. And so I remember this time, and not to go too long, but I don't know why I was smart enough to do this, but I did it. Praise God. I remember he, he came out. He was like, what are you doing? I said, um, nothing. He's like, you're trying to take my drugs again. Now I caught you. And he's like, get a knife. And I'm like, nope. He's like, no, no, get a knife. There's one right there. So he was looking for a way to validate either killing me or beating the crud out of me. Um, but fortunately, that didn't happen. I have no idea where that came from except for God because <laughs> I was a stupid kid. Um, and uh, so the... Uh, so that whole thing ended. He got busted. He ended up going to Florida, which was great. And at that time, it ended my whole, it ended right there. I couldn't get the drugs. I was free. And I hated it. I hated this drug. Hated it. it like, it was dreadful. And I was so grateful to be free from that. And so, so this started this whole process. You know, I'm like 16 now, and I meet Melissa, Right? My, who's my wife now. I've been married for 30 years, 31 almost, which is awesome. Right, 31? Um, and uh, and so, so, so we're dating in high school, and I'm still wanting to party. She's not much of a partier. Um, and, uh, but I remember being over a friend's house, and this is like kind of where people have probably heard my story from. You know, that I remember sitting down with my friend, uh, Jason's dad. Jason's dad was the first guy I ever met that I truly believe was demon-controlled. Um, I've never seen somebody take the scripture and pull it apart and make it say whatever he wanted it to say. And it made sense. I remember walking out of there. After I was saved, I went over to visit, start to share the gospel. I remember walking out going, I can't come back here. It was so, I felt messed up <laughs> it was so weird but he had a whole religion all through high school and everything that marijuana was a tree of life that if you drink milk and honey that's eternal life you preserve your body that way and like it was crazy and so but I remember sitting down with him and we're smoking pot and he pulls out the bible and so we're talking I don't know what the heck he's talking about and, uh, and then he gives me a bible you know, and so he gave me, I remember it was NASB, red letter edition. Um, it was off, it was like salmon color. Like, I remember this Bible. And uh, so I remember getting it and going like, I wonder what's in this thing. So I opened it up, started reading the Old Testament stuff, didn't make any sense. And then I saw it said that the, the words of Christ in red letters. I opened to, to Matthew and I'm like, I didn't even know Jesus was in the Bible. But I know I've heard of Jesus, you know, and I thought he was important. And so I started reading what Matthew was saying. And I remember spending time trying to do these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, somebody's hurting. Give them, you know, they're cold. Give them your coat. Give them this too. Take, you know, like walk an extra mile. Like I remember do it, trying to do those things and falling and falling and falling. Always falling. Could never do it. I'm still doing drugs. I'm still um, doing things I shouldn't have been doing 
before we were married. And, uh, and so, like, I knew these things were wrong. I knew they were wrong. But the, um, but I, and so that started the whole process. So some crazy guy who's got his own religion gives me a Bible that's a seed. <laughs> the Lord can use anything. It's so crazy. And the Lord's so good. And so, um, so that started. Now, it started a whole issue for me too in that I, I was so under condemnation. And this lasted for two years. I was under such condemnation that I had to do two, there were two things that really make the point. I remember when big thunderstorms would come in and I truly thought the world was going to end because of my sin. I was so afraid. I was so under that condemnation. And then I also had this picture. Um, it's Jesus. Uh, it's a um, sacred, sacred heart, I think it was. This is a Catholic picture. I remember having it on my wall. And I had to kiss that every night before I go to, would go to bed because I could not go to sleep unless I did that because I was so afraid that I, 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 it was just a bad condemnation. So I went through two years of that and crying and broken. And uh, I remember a time even, you know, as I was getting closer to where the Lord was really reached down and changed everything was uh, my wife. She didn't have, she didn't know the Bible or anything. But she, I remember I was so messed up. She's like trying to pull out Bible verses to encourage me, you know. And, uh, but there was the one time. So I remember, and this is, this, is, uh, this is really, really awesome. Because the Lord is so faithful. When we cry out to him, he hears us. He is so good and so compassionate. You know, um, I remember being broken, so broken because I could not stop sinning and crying out to the Lord and just weeping and asking him for help. And that night, Melissa and I had gone to the Rockaway Mall and I had my long hair and slayer patches and everything and uh, my, my cool stuff, you know. Most important thing in the world is to be cool. Don't forget that. It's what's important. And, uh, and uh, we were headed out, and these two guys came up to me, uh, Jeff and Larry. And one guy looked like Charles Manson. One guy looked like a skinhead, you know, fire plug kind of guy. You know, I'm like, oh, thinking, what did I say? Did I do something, you know? And they're like, hey, man, are you a Christian? I'm like, Sure. You know, I think I'm, because now I have a Bible, of course I'm a Christian. And uh, so, so I'm a Christian. And, and uh, so they're like, this is cool here, man. We got a new church. Here, you got to check this out. They gave me a card to Steve's church. And so that started the whole thing. So I, it didn't, I don't know how many days it was. Maybe it was a week or whatever. But I just turned 18. And I remember going, you know, finally getting in contact with Steve and setting up a time where I could come by. I came by his house over on Star Starlight, right? Yeah. And uh, it was, they were recording their first Christmas album, you know, the, uh, for the church. And I remember everybody downstairs. Steve comes, meets, meets me upstairs. We're sitting down. And he just gave me the gospel. 
Like, and I don't remember exactly what was said. All I know is it was literally like there were chains on my shoulders and they came off. And I walked out of there completely changed. Completely changed. The Lord wants to do this. We have this message. We have this message of hope. There's hurting people out there. We can meet those. We can meet them where they are. We can give them this message of hope. You know, um, and so it was so cool because, you know, I walked out and I was free. No more condemnation. I was free. And like talk about like power of the Holy Spirit. Like I literally felt like I was like on top of the world. I could do anything. <laughs> it was so cool. And uh, so, um, so from there, you know, I, I still, the condemnation would creep in here and there. And I remember, and this is something that I go back to to remember because I think it's good for us to remember and look back and see what the Lord has done in our lives. See how he's worked throughout our lives and pull out those blessings, you know. Um, but I remember, again, being broken because I, I would have bad thoughts or whatever and I wanted to do everything just right want to be perfect you know new christian like it's like i just want to do everything right lord and i remember working uh taking care of um greenhouses for this guy in randolph and he was you know thousands of orchids and i was all by myself and i remember being on the ground praying and crying and asking god for forgiveness and i'm so sorry and i'm sorry and i remember the one and only time that it wasn't audible, but it was almost audible where I truly heard God speak to me and say, I love you. That's all he said. Changed everything. We have that message. We can see lives changed. This world is full of misery and suffering. And we can... and. As Christians, we don't, we don't stop suffering, right? We still suffer, you know, but we know where to go. You know, we know, we know where the help is. Um, and so at that point in time, right, so we have the watering throughout, and then we have, now we have God's increase. God gave me his Holy Spirit, made me a new creation in Christ Jesus, has changed everything, the whole course of my life. Now, it doesn't just change my life, right? I have nine kids who will never not know where to turn. They will always know. They may not turn there sometimes, but they'll know. We can do that. We can have that impact on people. We can change the course of a whole lineage, a heritage, thousand generations. We can do that. So, um, so now, you know, um, I, I, I want to digress a little bit because I forgot in the first service. My dad did, didn't have a part to play at all throughout my growing up. But 
another cool story, so bear with me, sorry. Um, I, we were coming back from like a Promise Keepers event or something in a van, and, uh, and Steve, excuse me, and Steve and I were talking, he's asking me about, you know, my, you know, my family and stuff, and, uh, and I, my mom knew or thought she knew who the dad was, so she told me, she said, oh, it's Glenn Troopy. And so he's like, he's like, I know him. <laughs> and, and so uh, when I was 26, which was a, was a long time ago actually now, um, he, we set it up, made contact with my dad. Now, my dad didn't even know I existed, you know, but he was gracious enough to, grace, gracious is a tough word to use for my dad. Um, <laughs> But he was gracious enough that time to talk to me because he's like, I could have kids anywhere. Like I was a, I was a lech. Like I was, I was terrible, you know. And so, um, so he's like, yeah, sure, we'll set it up. So we ended up talking on the phone here in the office, and then uh, I met him at a church softball game in Lafayette, and uh, from there we started a, the process of building a relationship. And my dad and I get along great now. My dad calls me for advice about what his pastor says that he disagrees with, you know? Um, so now, my dad's a whole other, my dad is a nut. My dad is a very, very strong personality. It was very difficult to build a relationship, but it was so worth it, you know? But now we have a good relationship. So the Lord, it's like, and this is, I guess this is oversimplifying it, but not that all your struggles go away, but it's kind of like a country song being played backwards. You get everything back. You get the increase. You know, like the Lord blesses you. You know, so I have my wonderful family, my wife, my, um, my dad's in my life now. Um, I have a granddaughter. You know, the Lord's changed everything. So... What can we do, right? What can we do? We can reach out, pray, you know, just do those things. We're the body of Christ. We have the message, right? Um, so I'll end it there, um, but we are going to take some time because uh, there are some people who I'd like to pray for. Um, we'd like to pray for as the elders, if the elders could come up, and anybody who's really got a, an issue right now, you know, whether it's physical or or maybe a house situation, as you come up, we pray for you. And uh, so that'd be great. So, all right, um, let's, uh, well, let me close this. Should I close this in prayer? Sure. All right, let's do that. All right, Lord God, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. And um, you are good beyond what we can imagine. And uh, thank you for changing us, for making us new giving us hope, giving us life. And I pray your blessing on every person here, Lord God, that we can all be as effective as possible for your kingdom. So have your way in us, Lord God. Thank you. In the name of Jesus.